0: welcome to pencil leadership i'm chris anderson success and lifestyle entrepreneur and i'm on a mission to help you realize your full potential so you can leave a positive mark on the world so if you're ready take out your pencils and let's begin this is episode 135 with number one best-selling author tyler foley and if you want to make a difference in the lives of others, share this episode, go over to Apple Podcasts and follow us there to leave a positive rating and review. And together we can leave a bigger, positive mark on the world. Excited to chat with our guest today. Uh, he's a speaker, an author, and a consultant. Um, and he actually just released uh, his new book here not too long ago called The Power to Speak Naked. So uh, excited to dig into that a little bit and just figure out. Uh, how his pencil leadership description is through the questions asked. But uh, Tyler, welcome to the show today.
1: Thank you for having me on. First of all, our public speakers, all of us, uh, if we weren't, society would collapse. Yep. Like, there is no way that we could exist on a day-to-day basis if we did not speak in public. Uh, mm. You couldn't order food at a restaurant. You right. couldn't, you know, you couldn't, commerce would collapse because how on earth would you ever purchase something at a store? Right. So we are all public speakers. What the, the book is designed to do is to teach everyday folk, you and me, you know, particularly um, small business entrepreneurs who are trying, who who need a bigger platform, who need to uh, find their voice, mm. and, uh, and and explain to them why their message matters. So it's not it's not a book designed to get you up on a big platform in front of a stadium full of people, but rather to encourage you to have tough conversations with clients, employees, um, potential business partners, joint ventures, your spouse, your <laughs> family. Like those things where that we're having a hard time discussing them, the book is designed to give you tips and techniques and uh, some inside knowledge on to mm-hmm. how to put together a really effective presentation. And that
0: that's fantastic because like, you're right. Like we're all public speakers. Like, uh, we all have our stage. It doesn't have to be, you know, in front of millions. Uh, but like you kind of mentioned in front of our family, in front of our, you know, work associates and stuff like this. If you have a podcast, we all have somewhere that our voice needs to be heard and should be. So to be able to find that and kind of build out those tips and tricks and structure and, and confidence. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to get that one and dive into it. I think it's going to be a great read. Um, but with that, I guess what led you into wanting to write a book about that? Because I was told to. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I I all the books that I've written have come from a business need. Okay. Uh, the first book that I wrote, Total Buy-In, was a self-published book strictly to give to clients mm-hmm. that were. Um, uh, part of my safety consulting firm in a way that could answer the questions that were most commonly asked so that I wasn't repeating myself because I find that, you know, a, a frequently asked questions thing, even on a website is critically important because it alleviates 90% of your time. You know, if you're, if you're, if it's the same question over and over and over and over again, you're given the same answer over and over and over again, that is not an efficient use of your time or my time you can get your questions answered and then that allows us to do a deeper dive and really solve your issues and your problems Mm. so uh with my first book that's how that came about the second book was very similar in that i was starting to put together a series of training presentations and the same questions kept cropping up over and over and over again how do i get over stage fright um What happens if I lose the audience? How do I keep them engaged? What do I do to prepare? How do I effectively prepare for a presentation? And what does that look like? And and all of it was just, it's the same questions. And I'm giving the same canned generic answers. And to be honest, my answers aren't any different than any of the 10,000 other uh, speaker coaches that are out there. Uh, But the difference was how I said them. Mm. the analogies that I drew, why you need to do them. And that's why everybody should be willing to share their story because just because your story is similar to someone else's, you tell it in a unique way right. and your the circumstances around it and the details that are important to you are different and those will resonate with the people that are close to you. So what I did was I put it all together with the book and that again allowed people to pre-qualify they're either going to resonate with my message or they're not going to resonate with their message. One of the greatest things happened to me actually, Chris <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yesterday, I, I I I've been thrilled about it for 24 hours. I've been jazzed. <laughs> I, I got my first hate mail.
0: Oh man. Somebody actually Big time
1: took the time to um, not only critique a press release that went out by my publisher, which was new for me because I've never sent out press releases. So the press release went out by my publisher Um, when it came back, this gentleman had (laughs) looked up my, my mailing list and got on the mail list and then not only wrote a blog about how, just how asinine my material was, uh, but then emailed in to point out that I was a hack to my (sighs) mail list. But in order to do that, he had to sign up on the mail list. I was blown away and I feel so validated right now. Because I have long believed that you need to be polarized, right? Like you need to say the things, the things that you're afraid to say are the things that your audience needs to hear. And if you're saying them, you're going to draw the mm-hmm. people who need to hear it and you're going to repel the people who don't want to hear your message. And yeah. I haven't had this side of the equation until yesterday. Wow. And there you so go. <laughs> happy! Oh. It's, it,
0: it's, it's crazy how like people spend so much energy to do that though. <laughs> like he could have done so much more positive things, but
1: he had to research. I, I'm, I feel so, again, so validated because yeah. not only did he write a blog post about it, um, he took the time to research two separate PR releases that went out and, and then wow. signed up on our mail list and then attacked the mail, like re- responded back. And I was, <laughs> I, I can't even begin to, to describe to you how overjoyed I was. The first thing I did was I forwarded it to my funnel guy. Then I forwarded it to my publicist. Then I forwarded it to my publisher. <laughs> and I said, look, we did the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yep.
0: I that's it's uh and even that like that that it just it just brings us you still get the benefit almost cuz now people are like oh this person's talking bad about the, let me go check it out myself and it brings you more trap like so it at the end Free of the day press. yeah PT so, Barnum well, was congrats. completely
1: totally right yes. the, the only bad press is no press
0: yep absolutely that's that's funny that, but and that's what I think people a lot of times run from is that they don't want to have that negative you know feedback but it's like
1: you got to pick a side uh so but and the funny thing is is so when we were talking about public speaking one of the Mm -hmm. things that this guy attacked was the statistic that my publisher likes to point out which is the 77 percent of uh north americans express um anxiety around public speaking and it's this then they say it's the fear of public speaking Mm. and this guy knows what i know And that is that we're not afraid of public speaking, which you and I have already discussed previous in this interview. Yeah. And so he was just incensed that I would use that statistic. And I'm like, that it's a common statistic. And the problem is, is people don't know what their fear is. And so it's a misdiagnosis. And I always equate it to um, having heartburn and thinking that you're having a heart attack. Right. And you're running around looking for defibrillators and what you (laughs) need is Pepto-Bismol. Yeah. And And so I've been, I'm on record of saying that for years, by the way. And this guy was just angry (laughs) that we were using that statistic because it's a known fact that nobody is actually afraid. And I'm like, no, I agree. But it it gets you right. It's PR, Mm -hmm. it gets people's attention. And he was, he was particularly upset at the fact that I was pointing out that this book is banned by Amazon. (sighs) You can get it on Amazon. And, but the title said controversial book banned by Amazon. And what you need to know is that it is banned for advertising. I'm not allowed to advertise because the cover violates their nudity clauses Uh Uh, in a ridiculous way, by the way, like, and I have, I have, I have fought Jeff Bezos and his bots for the last nine months trying to get permission to be able to advertise the book. But it isn't it's been banned. Like I have I I my ad accounts has been shut down and it's been shut down on Facebook. Wow. Uh, because of the cover. Like they they were like no you cannot do this. And so we used it right its PR. So I think mm-hmm. the PR the press release went to, you know, controversial book banned by Amazon. He's like you can get the book on Amazon. And then he, <laughs> he had the link and I'm like you're you're proving my point and I appreciate you I'm yeah. sorry that I have upset you, but <laughs> I am so happy that I, that's funny.
0: You. That's, and that's just part of the journey. Yeah. And I think we learned that along the way, like you're going to have people that just, you, you don't resonate with, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. And and we can still live together. It was a video I saw, uh, someone got a hate comment on, on one of their videos and they're like this, like, it, it wasn't even, hate. it was like, Hey, I don't like agree with that. Or, you know, I think the opposite thing, but Hey, you have a great beard. And he's like, this is how we should do it. Like, it's not that we're tearing people down. It's like you have your opinion, you disagree with mine, but we don't have to be ugly towards one another. Like there can be (laughs) civil discourse. Yes. Like
1: I I don't have to agree with everything that you say. Right. You know, I I personally wouldn't have Cap Shield up behind me. (laughs) But you know, that's fine. I'm more of a Cape Crusader guy. Okay, there you go. You know, and yet I will admit that Marvel is probably better than the DC universe. It still doesn't change the fact that Batman man <laughs> is my favorite exact comic character of yeah. all time. But we're not
0: going to throw down fisticus over no, you no. Know, we exactly. don't need to do
1: that. We can get back to <laughs> a really poorly written, helpful book, "The Power <laughs> to Speak Naked."
0: Oh, that's awesome! And it just, yeah, I think, and people can learn so much from that. Like looking at that, what you just kind of talked about, like, okay, hey, people are going to throw shade. They're they're going to be upset with some of the things that I say. If I can stick to to my guns and, um because we're, I mean, we're into the inclusive and inclusive equity type culture. And it's like, yes, we, we want to treat everybody how we want to be treated, you know, the golden rule kind of thing. But there's some things that we just can't, we're not going to agree on, on everything. And so taking the higher road and be like, Hey, agree to disagree. There's nothing wrong with that. And and, and the other thing is
1: too, is you can have two point of views and both people still be right. I think that's one of the things that society has has forgotten and Mm -hmm. lost you know and and we talked about you know my very very varied career one of the things that i do do is safety consulting and unfortunately one of the drawbacks of that job is i occasionally have to do incident investigations and Mm -hmm. if i've been brought on to do an incident investigation it wasn't a minor thing yeah things went wrong in a bad bad way and somebody's life has been drastically altered for the worse Mm -hmm. and I part of doing those uh, investigations is doing interviews Mm -hmm. and I have never conducted an investigation where I've had multiple witnesses to an event where the two witnesses statements lined up a (laughs) hundred percent. Yep. We all see the world differently through this lens. I can't see it through yours, Chris, and you can't see it through mine. Exactly. And, it's interesting when you hear the details that stand out to people because it's heavily influenced by their biases and, and how those biases came to be from, you know, how they've grown up, where they do, what they do. And the simple fact of the matter is all those people that I interviewed saw the thing, mm-hmm. whatever happened, if it was a, a fatality or, or some kind of, you know, life altering medical incident, um, everybody saw it. But they literally saw it from different points of view. Yep, and they all took something away from it. Does this mean that uh, person A and person is lying because person B doesn't mm. agree with what they're saying? No, they're both telling the truth. Yep. But we, I think, what another thing that society has has forgotten is that there is a difference between truth and fact. Yeah, and facts are very hard to come by. And truth is skewered by our own lenses. Yeah, and and it's this need to have you believe my belief that has has really um, soured the pool. <laughs> right, you know, and that's one of the things that I talk about in the book is is don't be afraid to be polarizing, and and say the thing that you're afraid to say. It's probably what your audience needs to hear. Yeah. You are going to get the people who are like you are so full of BS. Yeah. And, and that's fine because if you are true to your core, like I know who I am, I know my messaging, I know who I, who, who my target audience is and I am grounded with, it. I'm perfectly acceptable with that mm-hmm. and I'm at peace with it so that when somebody, uh, attacks my point of view, I can say, yes, I not only do I <laughs> understand where you're coming from, but I in fact actually agree with you. Yeah. It's still not going to change my messaging.
0: Exactly. Yep. Just being aware of other people's yeah positioning and everything with it, I think is a, a big part and being empathetic, I think helps, uh, understanding people come from all different situations and, uh, to not take it too personally. I think that's a big one.
1: Well, and and that's, if anybody's read the four agreements, that's mm-hmm. one of the four agreements. Don't yeah. take anything personally. And yep. it, it took me a long time to find that mantra. The other one is, you know, uh, not from the four agreements, but a great mm-hmm. thing to remember. Never judge a person until you've walked a mile in their shoes. Yeah. How do you do that in a, an actual physical world? You can't. So the only way to do it is through the power of story. And in order for a story to be effective, you need to listen to what the other person has to say. Right. And do it with an open mind that they their point of view is valid. You don't have to agree with it, but you shouldn't d- dismiss the validity of it. They feel that way for a reason. And right. your job is to understand why. Walk a mile in their shoes and you might have an understanding why they have come to feel that way. Mm-hmm. You still don't have to agree with them, but you don't have to attack them for their belief.
0: Right. Yeah, I, I think it's a super important thing that we're trying to figure out, especially with all the demographics and and just different viewpoints and worldviews out there now, which is amazing. There's there's so much diversity and so much difference out there we can learn from one another. Um And I think with that kind of, so, so with, for those who are, who've been listening to the show or tuning in, we're kind of tweaking the the format a little bit. And we want to get into the actual pencil leadership traits with our guests because, because of that, because everyone's worldview is different. Everyone's experiences are different and their journeys are different. And so um, being with the five traits of pencil leadership, how we can't do this alone. So the first, Trade of pencil leadership for those who don't know is that a pencil has to be held to leave a mark. And so we as people have to be humble. We have to have mentors and guides to help us along our path. So I'm curious, Tyler, have you had a specific mentor, more than one
1: mentor, or just somebody who you've really looked up to that's kind of led you along your journey? I've had dozens in my life and I've been so blessed to have them. In fact, you know, some of my first and earliest mentors are are some of the mentors that all of us share in common. Uh, my elementary school teachers. They were so impactful in my life, in fact, that I, I made a specific note to acknowledge them in the beginning of the book, in the acknowledgements. Mm. I list all six of my, <laughs> my primary or elementary school teachers uh, because they, they shaped and molded who I was. Um, my father passed away when I was six years old and I had mm. an entire community step up and support my mom and myself and my sister, uh, you know and and some of those people are still in my life today. Mm-hmm. you know, uh, a, a great man and and great role model, uh, father figure to me, mentor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Corbett ha- is is still in in my life and and of all and in all my important occasions, he's who I reached to to say, you know, I want you to share in this moment with me and you know i look at at drama teachers that i've had and directors that i've worked with that have really helped shape and mold me and then you know hired coaches yeah too like the, some of the people that i've actually sought out and said look i need to work with you you know i think of uh, people like uh, jason Krauss at Kraukman industries and uh who has a great book by the way 52 people if anybody wants to cool. to read a thing on on connection i uh shout out to jay and his book uh a mentor of mine um aaron sky kelly who also has released a book called get the hell out of debt you know i i the the list is long and then the, the, the seminars that i've gone to right dr john D. Martini, darren hardy uh brian tracy uh mm. tony robbins phil town yeah i needed help learning to to really gain some financial literacy and i wanted to learn how to invest in the stock market properly and i phil town has been one of the greatest gifts that has ever come into my life so i, I am constantly surrounded by leadership and, and it's funny that you you know you you talk about being humble mm. and um seeking that mentorship needing to be held i think in any for, to be a successful leader at any given point in our life we need to be three things simultaneously we need to be a student mm. a peer and a teacher right and 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 you have to be those things at the same time you know you need to be learning so that you can grow you need to be at a within a peer group that is supporting that growth with you and you need to be passing on the knowledge that you have to somebody who is not at your peer level yet but you want to see them raised to your level for sure and yeah. And that, that, I think t- the real key to that is, as you have noted, being humble.
0: Yeah. Letting our ego get out of the way. Yeah. Because uh, we don't know what we don't know. And we th- we could think we know it all. And we get in this situation. It's like, oh crap, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> and yeah. so, uh, yeah, I think just there's so many good ones. And, and with our ability to be connected, even to some of these big, like you mentioned, Tony Robb and Brian Tracy, all at Phil, Phil Town through online means, through, through their, their content that they put out, you can still be mentors that way and learn from them even from afar
1: like that. Well, and especially right now, like mm-hmm. Tony is, is, is coaching on the internet. Yeah. Like his events have gone virtual Yeah, and it's possible for him to pick you out of the crowd in your living room now, and yeah. I, I I know people who have been on some of the UPWs, the virtual UPWs, right now. A, a good friend of mine was actually just on Business Mastery, and he actually yeah. was like, "So, Lauren, tell me a little bit about That's what's awesome. going on." She was like, "You know, ah. <laughs> right? so th- like this, you especially right now, you know, there is no excuse, and you're right, you don't know what you don't know, and and being able to have a little humility mm. with it." And that, I mean, that leads right in to the next trait yeah. that you have, which is growing from hard times. Yep. Yeah. You can't, if, if I'm stuck and set in my ways, there is no growth and, uh, hard times don't need to, don't need to be hard. I, I was mm. just discussing this on another show where, you know, somebody asked what, what the. I think the first question was, what was the greatest moment of my life and what did I learn from it? And then what was Uh the worst moment of my life? And I went, well, (laughs) they're basically the same thing. (laughs) The greatest moment of my life was probably my darkest Mm. moment because from that, I, first of all, I mean, there are so many metaphors from it, right? Like you, you, when you hit rock bottom, the only place to go is up, up, Uh, the light at the end of the tunnel, like all of, all of those things as trite as they may seem have grounding in reality. And the the truth is, is that if you don't, if you're too stubborn to reach for help, Mm. they might as well fill in the hole that you're in and make it your grave. Right. But as long as you're willing to start climbing or to ask for help and ask somebody to throw down a rope, that's when you can learn the most. That's when we get the most growth.
0: For sure. And those, those sharpenings that you're talking about with pencil leadership, just those they're going to, it's going to hurt. It's not going to feel good but it allows us to become more sharp. It allows us to grow if we let it. Um, and so what was that, what was that turning point in your hardest moment? Like what kind of made you realize, hey, this is actually going to turn out for the better.
1: Well, I've had so many that have smacked me down viciously, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and some of them, were circumstance beyond my control some right. of them were definitely things that i was doing and some were combinations of the above mm-hmm. i know when i was 17 i had a medical incident that paralyzed the left side of my body for a year and um that was outside of my control right but prior to that i was a real douche canoe <laughs> like <laughs> i i've been acting in, in on stage since i was six years old and so oh, cool. at 17 you know I've, I've i'm 11 years i'm an industry vet now and my ego was massive and when i had that incident it humbled me right now because for a time i thought i was never going to act again mm. and but it ga- first of all it gave me something to strive towards Bob Corbett was in my life at that point and was instrumental in uh, not only treating my physical ailments, but my mental ailments as well. And really letting me see, he was the one who introduced me to Dr. John Demartini in the first place, (laughs) you know? And so uh, being able to conquer some of those mental demons and look at this for the blessing, because it was a complete reset. First of all, I had gotten completely complacent with my career. And uh was at a point where I was you barely doing the bare minimum. And even then I, I don't even know I was doing the bare minimum. Uh-huh. Like, you know, like I, I would I would maybe look at my sides or my script the day that I showed up to, to on set, you know, and I would kind of be memorizing through the rehearsal, going, I've got this. Yeah. That is that is not um a, a sustained attitude for this industry that's a fast way to get blacklisted mm. and and i but i, I you know i did, i I was bored but yeah. as soon as i was given the hunger again i mean that was a great blessing but it was also incredibly it was humiliating and humbling because you know was somebody who has taken pride on his appearance and was i mean i was vain at 17 <laughs> when all of a sudden you look like this uh yeah you know, and and you're you're talking out of your mouth like this, and I had to sleep with an eye patch because I couldn't close my left oh, eye, man. so it was it was open Constantly and my open. face drooped, and so I I had to have an eye patch to sleep. Like I looked like I you know I looked like a pirate with a stroke, and Ugh. it was I mean it, it was it was hard at seventeen.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it, it's it. it some people don't get through that and that's the, end the day or they just stay in those painful moments without, you know, saying, okay, like, how can I move? And even if you weren't to overcome that still like saying, okay, how can I live? Like, what's the positive? What can I do? Like having that mindset and sometimes it's hard to do. Um, but again, Mindsight kind
1: of, is 20, 20 yeah. for a reason. Yes. And it's really hard to be blind to those things when you're in the moment. And I think one of the greatest, um, gifts that I've gotten from getting to work around Tony Robbins is, you know, he he says it way more eloquently than anyone else that I've ever heard. Right. Life happens to you or life happens for you, not to you. Yeah. And when, when you take that moment and one of the things that he always talks about is the great finding the grace. I think it's Mm -hmm. one of his affirmations that, that, that he wrote down, you know, uh, and I remember hearing him talk about it. And it's now become a thing for me to ask myself, where is the grace in this moment? You know, yeah. because life is happening for you, and I even think like the book launch. Mm-hmm. Um, the <laughs> anybody who's ever gone through a book launch and has had a book published, they know that it never goes the way that you planned, right? <laughs> ever. And mine on September seventh felt like a train wreck. <sighs> absolutely everything i had planned including uh um, a mail out that i had designed for uh somebody who had gone in on a joint venture with me and was mm. agreeing to promote my book to their list the copy didn't go through they didn't like the graphics and they just oh, didn't no. send out the email and this was the biggest one that i had so i had a, a smaller list mm-hmm. that we were agreeing to mail out to like five hundred and a thousand people two thousand three thousand people and it was great but this was a big. this was the list it was a nationwide list hundred thousand people wow and i was like i need this didn't go out and i was like why <laughs> and then when i was reviewing it when they were like okay we're ready to go when we do it Uh, Not only was it talking about pre-sales on on the day of the launch, so it shouldn't have been, it should have just been sales. The link that I had was for the US audience, not the Canadian audience. So if it had gone out the way that it would have, it would have been a waste of 100,000 people seeing that email. Yeah. But I had time to fix it, change the wording, and make it work. So in the moment, I was like, why is nothing working? Yeah,
0: exactly. Oh, that's why. Yeah. But
1: I needed, I needed time and distance and space to, to To be able to see it, to be able to see it. And, and again, you know, then I, then I look up and I go, thank you for having my back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, that's the thing. Like if we can, if we can kind of take a step back in the situations, those moments of, of pain, of struggle and be like, okay, what's, What can I learn? What can I, how can I improve from this? Like if we can do that, then those negative situations don't really have a lot of power over us. Like we can, we can shift and pivot and be able to grow from it no matter what. Um, despite difficulty. And, well, and, and that in key goes, to that.
1: Yeah. I was mm-hmm. go, so sorry. You're going to lead into yep. know yourself. I know you were because I was going to go there too, because that's what you need to do. So you yep. discuss it and I will, I will agree with you and make you look good to your audience. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I was going to go. So it's the same thing. Like when we make mistakes too, um, we have to kind of like, it all kind of correlates. We have to humble ourselves. Like, yeah, I screwed up. Uh, okay. This really sucks. What can I do? So what mistake, has there been like a, a resounding moment in your life that you're like, Oh, I, I, uh, I messed up and had to kind of eat that humble pie. And, and how'd you, how'd you go about fixing
1: that mistake? Well, I've made numerous ones and, you know, professionally and personally. And I found that the common theme to all of them was being straight up front right now and saying, I screwed up. Mm -hmm. I, I know I had, um, a friend of mine had hired me professionally to be a safety consultant. And there was a common practice on this main project of um, duplicating signature pages because the information that was being signed off on uh, was being signed off by the same people over and over and over mm-hmm. again. And uh, what it's not a good practice, right? Uh And from a from an ethics standpoint, it goes against a lot of things that I've signed off on saying that we won't do. But from a business efficiency standpoint, it made sense because, yes, these people have actually reviewed this thing. We're just not going to make them sign 50 documents. Hmm. We'll grab the signature page. We will agree that we did it. We'll have the the attendance. But the actual document sign off, we're just going to duplicate it. And because of that practice, one of these practices and procedures that needed to be signed off on by everybody had gotten implemented by me and my team, but was not reviewed with everybody. Mm. It was only reviewed with a small portion of people. We did have them sign off on that, but then because of this common practice that had been implemented, when it got into the admin side of it, instead of using the original sign-off sheet we used this old sign-off sheet and mm. sure enough a month down the road an incident happened that required a review and they pulled all the documents and the one signature on it was a somebody who didn't work there anymore and b oh. one of the other um, trades that was responded was actually you know the uh, prime contractor <laughs> their safety guy and he's like I didn't, I've never seen this document and you have my signature on it. And I was like, oh Uh -oh, man, the irony is we were doing that practice because it was a thing that he had told us to do, but (sighs) it didn't excuse the fact that it was wrong. Mm -hmm. I could have sat there and been like, well, me, but it it was, it ultimately was on me. And I have, (laughs) that is just one of (laughs) many incidents in my life where I've done something either stupid or wrong Mm. and it's and and then here's the thing too we never do it with malice right it's such a small percentage of the world that is that is actually evil that is doing these things to be criminal or mean or whatever a lot of times we we're either not thinking or we're in a compromised situation not in our correct mental state whatever it happens to be we're making these decisions and they're poor decisions Mm. if instead of saying, you know, making the excuses for it, if you can be like, listen, I screwed up. It goes so much easier because all (laughs) the rest of it that comes after that is, is so much easier right now. My wife and I are, are binge watching suits. Okay. (laughs) And, and for anybody who follows that, it's a, a couple of lawyers and the one lawyer is not a lawyer. He, he, he's he got a photographic memory and was helping people cheat to get into the bar because he could write the exam for them. And he knew more about the law than anybody else because he just remembers all these things and can cite case file. but he's not an actual lawyer. But then he lies to get into a job and then like, seriously, the first six seasons are them constantly trying to maintain that lie when if they just come out and said, this is how it is, everything would have, worked out better but mm. it would have made for good drama and yeah. so right but so you have to ask yourself what do you want your life to be yeah do you want to be smooth and easy or do you want it to have drama because yeah. you can invite the drama just as much as you can invite the you know just calm static yeah you pick yeah but if you if you don't want the drama then you need to eliminate it at its source and that's usually from conflict and conflict is mm. coming when your heart and your mind are not aligned And that's the first thing to do is you got to start getting honest in here. Then you can get honest out there. And if you can get honest out there.
0: Yeah. And that goes, I mean, directly into the fourth, fourth trade of pencil leadership is the lead on the inside of the pencil is what leaves the mark. So it doesn't matter what you look on the outside. You could look like a brand new pencil or, you know, have be beat up, but that lead is leaves a mark. So with us, it's the same thing. Our heart, that integrity, those values have to be there and whatever those values in, in whatever they are, that's what's going to come, come out in our true self. So, uh, whether that be, you know, unethical stuff or, you know, if it is trying to be your best and have empathy. So what would you, what are a couple of values that you really, really cherish, uh, in yourself and then look for in others?
1: I think one of the things that I look for the most in others is the thing that I, I think we're always mirroring, mm. right? So for me, it's loyalty. Mm-hmm. I am. I would like to think I'm one of the most fiercely loyal people on the planet. Um, I, I will ping out people on just on my phone, right? And something will remind me of somebody I'll hear a song or I'll see a thing. And I always say, just thinking of you, it's just a Mm. quick little thing. And I do that because it's important to me to maintain relationships and it's particularly important to me to let people know when they're on my mind because of a thing that I actually heard at a Di Martini um event. So I, I I attended breakthrough, oh God, 20 years ago. <laughs> and um and in the session that I was in, you know, he when he does a, a breakthrough experience, you know, there's anywhere from 80 to a couple hundred people okay. that that go through that. And we were doing this deconstruction and one of the principles that Martini believes in and I believe in uh, is that, you know, there is a yin and yang to the world, that physics is a real thing, that for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So you mm-hmm. can't have this without this, which is one of the reasons why, you know, when I look at my medical incident you know, it's, yeah, it's a dark time, but it's also the, one of the lightest times. Like it was one of the biggest blessings in my life because hmm. I couldn't have had everything else that I had without yeah. it. We, we need those yin and yang opposite energies. And so he was saying, you know, in, um, even if you feel alone and unsupported, somebody out there is thinking of you and is offering you support. You just may not have that physical connection to know it. And this, this one guy just could knock it over the metaphysical, Logic leap that needed to happen for that, and he's like, "You can't possibly know that. You can't possibly know that somebody was thinking of you at that time." They, you know, because it gets really touchy feely at that point. And people are like, "No, but I just felt it in my heart, and I just knew that that in my spirit somebody was with me." And this guy was like, "No, no, <laughs> shut it no, down, no, <laughs> no." But it got me to thinking. I'm like, "I, he's not wrong. Mm. You can't know that." But she's not wrong in that she felt it in her heart and in her spirit, and John is not wrong in saying that there is uh, opposites in all events that we have a yin and yang to the world. So how do I prove that? How do I make everybody in this situation right? Hmm. And to me, it is when I think of you, Chris, yeah. and something triggers a memory of me. I have to tell you right now that I'm thinking of you, because I don't know where your mindset is and here's the crazy thing about it chris i have been doing this now for over a decade Uh of playing this experiment i can go through my phone right now no word of a lie i have a friend who just lost an ex-lover who i reached out to and i was like you're just you're on my mind i wanted to know that i was thinking of you And she said, you have no idea how much that means to me. I texted another friend who said the same thing Uh, a couple of weeks ago. I got another text, uh, a good friend of mine who I thought was in a good headspace. And I'd actually, um, uh, an advertisement for a show that me and her were in, uh, were together. And I texted her and I said, you know, uh, hey, our thing is on. And she was like, oh, that was just what I needed right now. I had the worst day on set. (laughs) Uh, my, My buddy, Chris, I will send him every time I see 1111, I text him. Uh, 11, 11, every, like without fail, he is the first person. If I see it, I text him and I got a a message from him the other day that said, you have no idea how much this means to me Mm -hmm. that you do this. And today in particular, I needed it right now. And it's that kind of thing that makes me know that everybody in that scenario was right. You can't know until you get the proof and I will forever give my friends the proof that they are on my mind, that they are important to me. So one of the biggest values that I have is, is loyalty and friendship. Um, I I also look for empathetic and sympathetic people because I want to be empathetic and sympathetic to Mm -hmm. the point where I know what my prejudices are and I hate them. (sighs) You know, I like, I actively try to work on because no one is without prejudice, Right, maybe Mother Teresa, (laughs) but even then, I bet you she didn't like prunes or something. Right, there was something. There's something her. Yeah, but you have to be self aware, and you know it. Know yourself, and and right now, the big buzzword in public speaking, and as a speaker trainer, this is the thing that drives me insane the most is authenticity. God, Mm. I hate that word. Authenticity is synonymous with self awareness. You have to know who you are at your core, so that you can be unwavering. Yeah. I am not going to compromise my internal moral compass. My morals may not be the same as yours. My belief structure may not be the same as yours, but I know what my belief structure is and Mm -hmm. I I am unwavering in it. And because of that, I am going to magnetically draw people who are of uh, a similar mindset and I'm going to repel those who are not. And both of those are okay and in fact are important if I'm going to succeed in life and business.
0: Absolutely. And it, and that's the start to show. We talked about your negative feedback. You got, it's the same thing. You're going to, I mean, you're going to, you're going to separate yourself and you're going to put yourself on one path and people aren't going to like and let you know. But yeah, I think those are some, the really good values. And and I was just at a, a, an alumni event uh, from my alma mater yesterday. Yeah. And, uh, we've talked about networking and and building those relationships and just staying connected with people. And it was, it's, it's a thing that sometimes we, we lose as entrepreneurs is uh, especially starting out bootstrapping. It's like, you know, everyone just wants to make a sale and, and, and make more money and stuff. But we forget, like you might be able to make some short term, but unless you're building those relationships and increasing that network and giving and, and not thinking or having an agenda, uh,
1: um, giving is the key. Yeah. Yeah, if I could give one tip to your audience right now to effective networking is um, something that I heard from Les Brown, Mm. who, I can't remember who said it first because they were friends. Gotcha. um, Bernie Dorman or Les Brown, because they were in the same room at the same time when I heard it. One of them said it and one of them went, yes, that's the key. (laughs) Um, uh, More about the less of me.
0: Yep, I think Les said that.
1: Yeah, and I want to give Les credit uh but uh he may have stole it from bernie he might have that's true maybe or bernie eh, bernie could have stole it from him maybe and, they and, shared it <laughs> they, they're definitely but you know more of the less of me mm-hmm. and and that is that is the key to all business you should be giving of yourself um i think it was zig ziglar that said it and i, I may be misquoting again too because nice. you know <laughs> boggy mind <laughs> right um but he said you know you can have everything that you want in the world as long as you show other people how to have what they want
0: yep. yeah yeah you know,
1: i'm definitely paraphrasing that one and i yeah. think it was zig that it was said. either
0: zig or jim collins i can't remember the, but i definitely it's one of those two so
1: right hey like but i said it's so Bernie, true you know and 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 a lot of these adages are not um unique like they're right. they're principles that go back years and years and years and years it's just Nothing new under yeah, as somebody has has coined it uh, yep. in a catchy way. But if you want to do really effective networking, you know, and it's something that I know for sure. This I did learn from the late great Bernie Dorman because he was an advocate of it with uh, CEO space. Is when you go to a networking event, instead of saying, "Hey, my name is Tyler Foley, and I've got this book. You need to buy this book. You need to buy this book. <laughs> right. You need to go." Hi, my name's Tyler. What do you do, Chris? And and what? How can I be of service right now? What's your biggest yep. need? Yeah because that pre-qualifies you to me like public speaking and you know and i'm sure my my hater will will rip on this so 77 <laughs> percent of people identify having a fear of public speaking right. We you have acknowledged that it's not a fear of public speaking that it's actually a fear of public judgment still knowing that it can increase your wages and increase your chance of promotion only six percent of people will actually seek professional help to get better at yep. public speaking so if i go to a networking event with 50 people in it it means only three people are ideal clients for me. And that's only if they're at the mindset at that point that they're willing to commit to doing it. Yep. yep. So me constantly going around, giving my business card, that means that there are 46 people in that room because I count as one of the 50, 46 people who that is a waste of breath, time, energy, and space. But what I could be doing is what you had mentioned in growing my network. Mm-hmm. How can I be of service to you? What do you need? Because you may need something that I have within my network
0: yeah because it it changes yeah yeah, it changes the the mindset from scarcity hey i need i want to just sell 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 to abundance hey there there are clients out there here i'm just going to give and the right ones are going to come i mean yes you still have to you know go through the process but it's more about the giving and even in the sales process it's it's about you know them what do they need what are they about what are they looking for can i help them and then if they're even open to it, but it all starts with building a relationship and having that mindset.
1: And on top of that, what can you, what can you do to provide so much intrinsic value that they can't help, but say yes. If somebody isn't willing to actively work on their professional career in the art of public speaking, I can't sweeten that deal, no matter how much I tell them that I, you know, Hey, buy the book for 1795. And if you go through our funnel process, we're going to give you $700 worth of value. Right. That's great. But if you don't, if none of that is value to you, it's, it's just wasted time. Yep. So uh, you need to be able to create worth for yourself without actually selling your product. And the best way to do that is to be a connector because if people know that if I go, if I need to solve a problem, Chris knows everyone. You already have value, and so you are providing a service. Mm-hmm. Whether there is monetization immediately from that is irrelevant, right? Because eventually it will monetize. Yep. The number of people who refer me because I have, I, you know, I've got a deck of favor cards. If people, you know, if, if every time I did a favor, I got a card. I'd have an Uno deck, you know, I'd have an entire shoe that would make uh, Caesar's palace jealous, (laughs) Uh but, and, and they're not things it's not, it's not a a quid pro quo, Mm
0: -hmm. right?
1: I'm not looking tip for tat, right? I want to have a shoe like that because that's how I measure my value to society. Have I contributed because if I only had a deck like this or worse, I was in neg- negative equity. I am a drain on society. I yep. want to be contributing. Yep. And so, and then it's nice too because if you know that you have this favor deck, then when you actually do have to ask a favor.
0: You have a lot of people to ask.
1: When you have to go to a dude who has been burned by business relationships and say, hey, can I tap into your 100,000 list? And he goes, yeah. And I go, what do you want for it? Well, do you know what he asked? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. I'm willing to do it for you. And, but I've also put in like three, four years of sweat equity into that relationship, constantly volunteering at events, you know, providing value, going above and beyond. Yeah. And I will be honest, four years of volunteer work, approximately three to five days a month I feel I came out ahead on that deal. Yeah. Like I would do that again. And then some, I still feel that I, for the favor that I received in return for that, I owe an awful lot. <laughs> so I've got to give back in some yeah. way. And yeah. that I think is the best position to be in where you feel now I've gotten, now I need to contribute again. And it it becomes this cycle. Like you said, there's abundance. Yeah. And that's proof of the abundance. You should feel, okay, now now it's my turn to give back into this system.
0: Absolutely. And it it's true. And and that's why I think people don't realize like they're like, well, how can I give back? Like I don't have anything special. But and that goes to the that the last trait of know yourself leadership yeah you've got to know yourself because we're all created uniquely with individual talents and skills to leave a positive mark the way we can and no one else can exactly like us and so being able to to know yourself be aware of yourself understand that and lean into that strength that you have that you're created to do you can be able to give so much uh to the world and if you don't the world it's a disservice almost because You're not bringing, you know, your, your light and your, your strengths to the world to help. And, and so I'm curious with you, what would you say kind of your differentiating factor is your uniqueness? And then what positive mark are you hoping to leave?
1: Well, I'm so glad you asked. So first of all, my differentiation is everything that made me. It's the same thing that makes everybody like, yeah. why should somebody come to me over anybody else? Well, you know, if this resonates with you, yep. 35 year performer, I've been acting on film and television since I was six years old. I am the son of a single mother and a widowed mother. It's not that, you know, my father up and left or, or they yeah. were forced or something like that. My father was taken away from my mother early on in their relationship and mm. very early in my life. And she had to, bootstrap the world together. Yeah. And on top of that, my father was very, he was an educator and entrepreneurial. So whether it's, you know, um, nature or nurture somehow in me, I'm going to combine those traits. Mm. I'm I'm entrepreneurial, I am educational. I want to train. My mom was incredibly resourceful. That's a thing that ha- that is within me. When she finally did start dating her first serious relationship for the first decade uh after my father's passing was with a musician. So now mm-hmm. I have this creativity and 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 musicality within my life and you know that unto itself has shaped who I am. So there is, there's always a thing that you can sit at. And then, and that's the thing, like, I don't have one. I'm, I'm that Jack of all trades master of none. Mm-hmm. You know, people can do an IMDb search on me. I am not Will Smith. <laughs> I have made a career out of playing named or numbered characters as opposed to name, you mm. know, I'm frat boy. Number one, or <laughs> student number two, right. I don't get names. And when I do get names, they are just, be, they're a courtesy, not because I'm critical to the point. Right. So and, and then I look at, you know, my musical career. I've been blessed to play with some incredible musicians, but I've always been a, a jumping off drummer. Mm. You know, I'm I'm I am never Ringo Starr. I'm Pete. <laughs> right. Like nobody remembers that the Beatles had a drummer prior to Ringo Starr. Mm,
0: yeah,
1: I wasn't that good. <laughs> and I am that guy. Right. <laughs> and so but I know that about me and it doesn't mean that I'm going to stop drumming. Right, I I I love to do it, and I goaltend. You know, Mm. I've been a goalie basically all my life. I grew up in Canada, of course, I'm going to play ice hockey. Yeah, and and I loved the position of goal. But I'm also five foot eight. Okay, on my resume, (laughs) probably five seven in reality. 145 pounds on my resume, like 130 in reality. You know, I am (laughs) I not take up a lot of space in the net. (laughs) So I I am not the world's greatest goaltender but I don't care because I'm not competing against other people. I'm not competing against other drummers. I'm not competing against other goalies. I'm not competing against other authors. Mm. When this came out, this was published through Morgan James, but I self-published it two years ago. I was blessed that my self-published manuscript made it into the hands of Morgan James and they took a chance on me and said, we'd actually like to publish you. Would you be interested in a traditional publishing? Awesome. Field? And I'm not comparing myself to, you know, Brennan Right? <laughs> like, that's not, like, why, why would I? That's right. not right. Like he, they, I'm not, uh, or even Stephen King, like it's, you know, nonfiction to fiction. Like why that's not what I'm most impressed with is the fact that after a two year hiatus, I managed to make it back up to the number one spot in Amazon. That I was a number one, you know, the um, number one new release, hot new release. Mm. Like that's, that's great for me because I, I did it the once and my, I've well exceeded my sales goals, you know, because I've managed to learn from the past one and do it. So the only person I'm competing with is myself at 42. I'm actually a better goalie than I was at 22 Yeah, because I've learned the position I've gotten. Considerably more economical with my movement, and same with me as a business operator. The the business professional a decade ago was chasing all kinds of shiny objects, (laughs) and I again didn't really know myself and take the time to know what my core values are, and therefore transfer those into my business. And now I can. So for all these reasons, that's That's where we're
0: at. Yeah, and it's true. We're we're all just a you know, a combination of our, of our trials, of our tribulations, of our success, of, of our environment. And so with that, with, with the the trajectory, the journey you're on right now, um, when everything is said and done for you here on earth, what do you hope your positive mark is?
1: I want to be known as, um, like if they were to ask uh, you know, if somebody was to do a an Internet search of mm. me 100 years from now and they were to say, what was Tyler Foley known for? I want to be known as the father of Mackenzie Foley, hmm. who went on to change the world through this, whatever it is that my daughter decides to explore in her life. Right now, she's incredibly artistic she, she paints, she draws, she's six years old. And honestly, if <laughs> I could spin the camera around now, I have three canvases that she's painted up here. That's awesome. People think my wife did them. That's awesome. But she did. And I don't know if that's going to be ultimately what she does with her life. I don't care. It's up to her, yeah. but I want to be able to have provided her with so much support um, and resources and challenges like I don't want I don't want her to be just this, you know, spoiled brat kid. Right. Um, she needs to she needs to struggle on her own. Like like right now, we, she she doesn't have a bike with training wheels. And, and like people are like, I've had some bad feedback on that. They're <laughs> like, how can you do that? I'm like, because before she had a pedal bike, she was on a push bike and a push bike allowed her to to feel balance there's no difference now. And yes, my daughter is going to fall and she has skinned her knees more than a few times. And I have had the pang inside of me that went, ah, well, maybe we should put those training wheels on. But at the same right. time, she needs, she needs the feedback. She needs to know when she's leaning. She needs to learn, relearn balance. Cause she already knew it. That's the thing. She didn't not know it. She has the balance within her and she needs to to learn it herself. And that is is my goal with her is to provide her the resources. She got a bike. She's had multiple and she has me with her always. Mm. But she still needs to learn to pedal it on her own. And that is going to be my philosophy for her entire life. And I hope 100 years from now that the impact that I have left is my legacy. And my legacy is her and, and the family that she then has and how I've managed to set them up for success, because that's all that I can do. And if I'm known for that, then I will feel that I've made my mark. Mm, that's
0: awesome. And I think, yeah, our legacies are are crucial because, um, the ripple effect, the butterfly effect, everything can, can stem from that. So, uh, very, very noble mark that you're on your journey, uh, creating and, uh so I, Tyler I again I appreciate you being on sharing all these nuggets of of what's it like to be a pencil leadership through your eye, or a pencil leader through pencil leader th- through your eyes um and yeah guys make sure you check out the power to speak naked uh you can find it on Amazon so okay. go and <laughs> go and check that out and just get connected with Tyler uh with that being said Tyler where can people connect with you on social media or, or the easiest way to do that
1: uh, best place to go is Sean okay. uh, seantylerfoley.com, S-E-A-N-T-Y-L-E-R-F-O-L-E-Y.com, kind of like in the, in the little comments there. Mm-hmm. Sean is spelled the proper Irish way. So <laughs> um, uh, seantylerfoley.com is kind of all things me, cool. and they can find all the information there. And yes, the book is available on, uh, on Jeff Bezos' site, but I would strongly <laughs> encourage everybody, if they could, go over to bookshop.org because cool. bookshop.org also carries the book. It is a little bit cheaper on that site. It'll connect you with your mom and pop shop, so your local book retailer. Cool. And uh, I think if you go on there, and this is for a U.S. audience. If you're in Canada, I'm sorry, folks, go to amazon.ca or Barnes & Noble or whichever one your, your favorite online is. But for the U.S. audience, that's listening to Pencil Leadership right now, Chris, if they could go to Goodreads, Mm-hmm. Uh, or sorry uh bookshop.org okay and and pick it up there and i think if they there's a little banner there they've raised up to i think it's 15 million dollars right now because a portion of all of their sales goes to a fund that then supports local bookstores and, and uh, they're cool. over 15 million right now that they've awesome. given back to local community
0: that's awesome yeah so def- everyone definitely get connected uh check out the book um And just, yeah, continue to learn from from Tyler and his journey. And uh, again, Tyler, thank you so much for being on Pencil Leadership today.
1: Oh, Chris, thank you for having me. It was a joy and a pleasure. And I look forward to the next time you and I get to sharpen the pencil together. Absolutely.